Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, the moves just keep on coming when it comes to NFL free agency, which is why we continue here on the GM Shuffle. Three episodes this week, and why not? We'll be coming to you fast and furious in the weeks ahead because there's been so much NFL news, and let's be honest, with everyone quarantined right now, we'd love to generate some great content for all of you, so please do pass along the word. As Michael Lombardi had said during the Rams season, the Rams contract's brutal, not only when it comes to Jared Goff, but also Todd Gurley, and so the Rams decide to bite the bullet and say, we got to make a move here. They needed to decide before an additional $10.5 million of Todd Gurley's contract became fully guaranteed at 4 o'clock Eastern. They shopped him around the league. Nobody was interested. Thus, he is released, and it appears that he's going to be signed with the Atlanta Falcons. We'll talk more about the Falcons move in just a second, Mike. But first off, the Rams deal. Four-year, $57.5 million extension 2018. That was two years before his previous deal was set to expire. And L.A. still owes him now a $7.55 million roster bonus for this season and dead money hit of over $20 million on the salary cap. This is going to be one of the all-time worst signings ever, right? No doubt. And let's just back up a little bit here. So when Gurley came out, it was funny. Belichick and I were at Georgia. Uh, went down there, not to work out Gurley. We just worked out a bunch of players. We ended up finding David Andrews when we did. But, you know, we got down there. Gurley wouldn't give us the time of day or work out. But, you know, the word there in Athens was, hey, look, great player, unbelievable. But we knew the medical was so bad. And the medical told us that he was not going to have a long career. The medical told us that it was going to be, you know, a, a second contract was probably not in the cards. In fact, a second contract wasn't going to be in the cards. So therefore, you know, if you took them, you were on borrowed time. The Rams ignored all this. They ignored all of it. You know, they got drunk. And I think the Rams are going to be a complete study for us when we do our Dell business podcast in another couple months, AD, where we talk about building organizations. I think that the Rams could be a candidate to analyze on why they let bias get in the way of their decisions and why the stadium became bigger than doing the right thing. Well, you mentioned the fact he had the issues from before. I mean, this is a guy... He signs an extension at the highest market value, at least in his mind. He just won Offensive Player of the Year. He'd rushed for 1,251 yards, 17 touchdowns in 2018, but the knee troubles were already beginning. And listen, I really like Sean McVay a lot, Mike. I think he's a smart guy, a great coach. But the culpability here goes on a lot of people, right? Not only the head coach and McVay to think this deal makes sense. Of course, the L.A. front office for giving him that money. I mean, how could you not look into this carefully and say, hey, listen, yeah, the guy had a monster season, but let's hold up. He's not a free agent for a couple more years. We don't have to do this yet. I mean, that's that's what's crazy to me. When I look at the deal, I go, sometimes I understand, like Kirk Cousins, right? Kirk Cousins, perfect timing with the Redskins. You go, God, this guy really isn't a top five, top ten quarterback, but he gets franchised at the right time, and now he gets paid again with the Vikings. Like Sometimes that just happens. In the case of Gurley, he didn't have to pay him, and now it's just a disaster, like a $20 million cap, and that's killer. But but it's all based on bias, right? They they got to we have to have superstars for the new stadium, right? Because we're in Los Angeles, and that deterred them from making smart decisions. I mean, and then they compounded. I mean, look, I said it at the time: if Sean Payton trades a guy for a one, and then Bill Belichick trades a guy for a one, why would you trade the guy for a one? You know, so seriously, why would you do that? And now the Brandon Cooks is on the market. I mean, when you look at the Rams, now they're getting rid of all their good players. 
You know, they want to trade Brandon Cooks. They have to give a boatload of money to Jalen Ramsey. They haven't had a draft pick from 2017 in the first round to 2021. You're talking about really how not to build a franchise. Like how not to build it. And here's what they've got going for them. They got a great young coach. And I would have paid him. And I've been very clear about saying that. I would have paid Sean McVay $25 million a year. No problem. All right. But I would also told Sean McVay, you can't have Jared Goff. I'm not letting you sign Jared Goff for 35 and having this ridiculous contract that's going to bankrupt us. I mean, Brandon Cooks is another guy. They just signed him. They're trying to trade him now. I mean, they're trying to trade him. And here's the reality. They don't have any draft picks. They're going to have five really good players on the team and a bunch of stiffs. That's what they're going to have. And like, how do you compete? No, but that's how quickly it changes. You're right in the NFL because that Rams team, to your point about trying to compete, they thought they were all in by getting Jalen Ramsey, and now you're right. That move goes up in smoke because you didn't win. You're on the cusp of winning the Super Bowl, and now you got to rebuild. Exactly. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, where's the plan? Like, all you're doing is every decision, you make another decision. It has nothing to do with the plan, right? Everything's a tactic. Nothing's a strategy. That's what the the Rams are the perfect example for people who are in business to understand that they operate under tactic law, not strategy law. So everything they do is a tactic. They operate. Okay, we need to sign our quarterback. We need to do this. We need to do that. And and they end up with this freaking mess. Gurley, everybody knew. Millie knew. <laughs> Bella knew. Everybody knew you couldn't sign him to a second contract. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it, right? And yet the Rams are just smarter than everybody else. Like, to me, take a step back from this. Ask yourself this question. What are the Rams doing? What's their bloodline? Is What is it? Is it we're going to put a lot of money in the trades? A lot of money in the draft? No. Are we going to put a lot of money in free agency? Well, not really. Yes, yeah, sometimes they do. What is it? They fall in love with their players. That's what they do. It's funny you mentioned the bloodlines. I'm thinking of Henry Eller and Eric Dickerson. Those guys are probably disgusted with these moves today. Great Rams of the past. And Gurley, very quickly, Mike, going to sign a one-year deal with the Falcons. He doesn't even have much left in the tank. I mean, that's Atlanta's given him a chance, but what, what can he do? On one year, he's hobbled. Everybody knows it. I mean, look, everybody knows it. Skip Pete's out there. He was his running back coach. They fired him. Like, everybody knows Gurley can't practice one Wednesday or Thursday. Like, he can't practice. Now you're putting Gurley on the turf indoors, okay? Indoors on that turf. And then I tweeted this this morning, and I look like a fool and an idiot. I said, like, no one's going to touch Gurley unless you can give him a physical. 27 seconds later, the Falcons sign him. Like, I'm so fucking smart, right? Like, you know, like, how can you sign this guy without a complete physical? Like, how can you do that? You're not the one being dumb. The Falcons are the ones being dumb by not even giving him a physical. That's crazy. I mean, and, and then how can you count on him? Look, I think Gurley's a dynamic player. The year he was great, he averaged over 10 yards. When they didn't give him the ball 17 times or more, they lost. When they put the ball in Goff's hands, it was a problem. You know, but the reality of it is, is the Gurley that you and I remember ain't the Gurley today. You know, it's like, that's not it. And we're seeing that in free agency. Look, just because you know the player, just because my man Dave Gettleman drafted James Bradbury, that doesn't mean James Bradbury is a good player. James Bradbury can't cover. You just gave him $15 million because you know him. Look, I know my neighbor, Bill. I don't want to give him $15 million. I love him to death, but I don't want to. I know him. I don't want to give him $15 million. But this is the bias that goes into it. This is what happens. 
And this is amazing what's happened in terms of another cautionary tale. That would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. We should call this edition of the GM Shuffle Reversal of Fortune. Remember that great Jeremy Irons movie, 1990? Alan Dershowitz in that movie as well. Because this is what's happened. You had Todd Gurley, the Rams believed in him, that he was hurt, not the guy. Nick Foles, who's been a great backup in his career. He's definitely caught lightning in a fire. What he did for the Eagles winning the Super Bowl was tremendous. He goes to Jacksonville. They give him a ton of money. And instead, after one year, giving him the most guaranteed money in franchise history, they're done with them, all right? The Minshew mania, round two, it's it's going to be Gardner Minshew's ride now. Before we get to Jacksonville, this is the Bears now. This is what you had predicted. MVP Mitch, they got to push him. And now Nick Foles is going to come to town in Chicago and say, listen, I'm going to battle for this number one job here, Mitch. The Bears give up a compensatory fourth round pick, number 140 overall. Jags have 12 picks in the upcoming draft. But this is the question the entire world wants to know. You hear Bears MVP Mitch and Michael Lombardi, and you want to know, Mike, will this bring up the best in MVP Mitch? Is Nick Foles going to push him or is Nick Foles going to be the starter? I mean, look, first of all, Nick Foles is like Richie Cunningham from Happy Days. He's a wonderful kid, right? So he's not coming in to cut MVP Mitch's throat out. Like, he'll be in. He's a nice kid. Everybody's going to love him. He'll be at the sock hop. You know, he'll be at the dance. I mean, every and if he gets his opportunity, he'll play well. But he's not going to be pushing to eat. Like, he's not Bella when it's dinner time, making sure her nose is in the bowl first. Like, that, that ain't him, right? So he's going to be – it's the perfect guy for MVP Mitch, right? It's the perfect guy for him because he can kind of be around the edges. But I'm waiting for, you know, I've been waiting for, you know, my man Tommy Tuberville to talk about passing game football. And now I think Ryan Pace owes me an apology. I mean, if there's anybody who's pushed this more than I have, it's us here on GM Shuffle, right? Like we should at least get a shout out. Hey, hey, thanks for making me see the true light. I mean, you know, I'm sure he went down kicking and screaming this, you know, but at some point, you know, he had to do something or he's going to lose his team. He's going to lose his team. In terms of Foles and restructuring, you mentioned Ryan Pace. Apparently, a source telling Adam Schefter of ESPN that Foles has already restructured it. So three years and $21 million guaranteed left on the deal, but Foles now has the ability to void the deal after either of the first two years, depending on the upset of his performance. You mentioned the fact he's not a, a you know slash-your-throat kind of guy, neither is Trubisky. So do you think that they'll say, listen, a starting job is open from training camp. Whoever plays the best wins. How do you think it's going to go? Oh, I think they're going to say, look, Mitch is our guy, but a little bit like what happened in Tennessee this summer. Like I know for a fact, every coach in Tennessee at the Titans wanted Tannehill to be the starter. They wanted him to be the starter. The front office wanted to give Mariota that opportunity to see if he can do it this summer. Everybody kind of knew it. In fact, I think even Tom Brady knew it. That's how strong it was, right? When they practiced against him, they all knew that Tannehill could beat him out. I think it's going to be the same. Look, Mitch is our guy. You're going to have to beat him out. And I think he'll beat him out. I don't think it'll be close because they'll be able to do things with him that they can't do. And the receivers will. I mean, look, the locker room is going to get behind it. The locker room is going to understand it. So, you know, once the locker room knows, you can't – one thing you can't fool is the locker room. You can't fool that. You, you know, those guys, they know what's going on. You know, they understand it, and you can't fool it. So, you know, once they see that, you know, once he gets in there, then it's all over with. And I think MVP Mitch will be like, oh, my God, the pressure will just get to him. He'll wilt. I don't think he'll hold up to this. 
He has not held up under pressure well so far in his career, especially after this last season. So you're right, it could get dicey. This now brings up the big question out there, Mike. What's going to happen with Cam Newton? You know, who's going to make the move for Cam Newton? Here's some options for you. The Patriots, do they get Cam Newton? Do the Redskins, who, as you pointed out, Haskins is a disaster apparently internally, do they reunite with Ron Rivera, his head coach for a long time of the Panthers? Does Rivera says we got to get Cam Newton? Where do you see him ending up? Because I think that's a really interesting subplot now as well. I don't know. You know, that's the hard one for me is because like Gurley, I would have said, how do you know where Gurley's going to end up? Because you got to give him a physical before you sign him. Like, how do you know where Cam's going to end up? You got to give him a physical. I mean, but Cam should be able to secure a job. Let's face it. I mean, there's a lot of teams that need Cam Newton, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, you know. Could he end up at the New York Football Giants to back up Daniel Jones? No, they just signed Colt McCoy. How's that going to work out for him, right? I, I love signing Colt McCoy when you got a guy who can't play a game and stay healthy, but you sign him as the backup. Like, seriously, like, <laughs> does that make any logical sense to you at all? Like, if he goes in the game, he's going to get hurt, but yet he's the backup. Ugh, yeah. So, I, I mean, there's too many teams that need him. I mean, and look, if Washington doesn't want him, then you know that's a problem. Then you know Rivera knows more. And I'm sure Rivera's probably telling people in the league, hey, look, here's the situation. He's not maliciously trying to hurt Cam. I'm sure people that he's friends with, they're calling him or they're calling Norv Turner on the phone and saying, hey, Norv, what's the deal with this guy? That's how the information gets around. Uh, no question about it. And certainly when Cam Newton's name comes, a lot of opinions and a lot of people know that he certainly has the talent. And for Jacksonville, as I mentioned, they're going to move ahead of Gardner Minshew, 12 picks upcoming draft, and they're going to try to make things work. After the break, more news from the first week of free agency, including some big moves by the Lions and Jimmy Graham crossing lines to join the Chicago Bears. Don't go anywhere. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I love this move for the Eagles, and you had predicted it. We did this a couple weeks ago. If you want to go back, go ahead, listen to the GM Shuffle. We went through all the major names and where they're going to end up. Mike, it's a Darius Slay, the cornerback. He's going to be with Philadelphia. Detroit gets a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick from the Eagles in the trade, and immediately slam the Eagles reach agreement. Three-year, $50 million extension, $30 million guaranteed, according to his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Listen, the Eagles cornerback was a black hole. I mean, it was just disgusting to watch. The unit allowed 15 pass plays 
of 40-plus yards in 2019. That was tied for second most in the NFL. This is a big win for the Eagles, getting slay. It is. I mean, look, the Eagles going into the offseason, they had to fix their secondary, and they had to fix the one technique. They get Hargraves, who I really thought was going to go. I, I didn't anticipate they were going to get Hargraves. I mean, it's a great signing. You know, I knew he was going to be expensive. They paid money for him. It's a great move for them. But now they get a legitimate corner to go in the back end, somebody that can actually cover one-on-one when the defensive front's putting pressure on. So I think it was a good move for them. Look, I still I don't understand why they got rid of a Malcolm Jenkins. That one bothers me. But I think the Eagles are off to a really good start in free agency. I think they've got some things. Now they got to be able to stay healthy. Where are they going with their offensive line? You know, what are they going to do at receiver? I think the draft is going to lend itself to that. But for the most part, I think there's no doubt that at least they got a bona fide player and Slay got what he wanted. He got reunited with Jim Schwartz and he got away from Matt Patricia. Great point about Malcolm Jenkins, by the way. I still think he's got plenty left in the tank. He quickly got a four-year, $32 million deal. And, you know, you talked about Teddy Bridgewater and his intangibles. That, to me, was a guy like Malcolm Jenkins. Intangibles, right? He was the one piece of that secondary that was the veteran piece. Did so many injuries at the corners. I think you lose a lot by losing Malcolm Jenkins. I agree with you. I think, to me, he kept everything together, you know, and so now they don't have Malcolm Jenkins down the middle. You know, they don't really have a Mike linebacker. I mean, their linebacker situation is really bad. Duke Riley from Atlanta, TJ Edwards, a college free agent in 19, Alex Singleton. I mean, they don't really have Nathan Gary. I mean, where are they going to get linebacker help? I think that's going to be the key. They got rid of they got rid of Nigel Bradham. I mean, they've gotten rid of some good players. So, you know, when you're not strong down the middle of your defense in terms of the Mike making the calls, the free safety making the calls. Now, maybe McLeod, they think McLeod can do it or Jalen Mills can do it. I'm not sure of that going to happen. We'll see. The key for the Eagles, obviously, is depth. And the key is, can they hold up with their depth at, at, at the positions that they need it so much? But I'm with you. Malcolm Jenkins kind of was the glue that held it all together. Couldn't agree more. And for the Lions, before we get to Jimmy Graham, and I can't wait for your nickname for Jimmy Graham, who just stole some more money, but how about the Lions giving $50 million to my man Vitae, an offensive lineman oh who, God. listen, I don't, I don't exactly think he's Jonathan Ogden here, Mike, or Jason Peters. Correct me if I'm wrong. $50 million to this guy. I mean, I don't see it. Like, you know, like I watched it. Like, how do they pay that? They got rid of a of a right tackle in Ricky Wagner, who wasn't great, but they had him under them, and they didn't get better. Here's what you don't want to have happen in free agency is you don't want to have an opportunity where you are saying, look, we just signed a right tackle, but you know what? We really need a right tackle. You know, like we need a right tackle. Like, where does that come into? Like, I don't know. They're going back to Vitae when he played in 2017. They think they can get him to play to that level. Whether they can or not, I don't know. But Detroit's free agent signings, Detroit's movements. Look, here's the problem I think Detroit's going to have really badly. Is and I think we saw it with Slay's commentary. Is is Patricia has bringing so many expatriates in there that it, he thinks it's helping him create the culture he wants when he has to create the culture, not bringing the players in. When you're relying on the player to set the leadership, then why are we paying you to be the head coach, right? You, you want All you're trying to do is get players to buy into what you're doing so you bring players in. No, no. Leadership is about converting the converted. You've got to convert the people into believing what you're doing. That's how you build what Angela Duckworth calls is grit. That's how you build the butterfly effect. So when you win slay over or you win Quinn over or you win some of the guys that are there and they become on your team, 
all of a sudden you think, wow, we're going places. But when you have to bring players in to create the culture, you can't get anywhere. And people on the outside think, oh, well, that's really smart. He's bringing in players in to fit what he does. Bullshit. Bullshit. It ain't smart. It's really the easiest path to do it. It's the path of least resistance, and it's the one that doesn't work. It doesn't work. You've got to convert the people that are in the building because they have more momentum. They have more groundswell. Bringing new guys into the locker room, they have no bullets on the wall. They have no skins up there. So therefore, you lose it, and I think it's really bad. And so they bring in, they bring in all these Patriot players and – all the guys that are already there saying, well, unless you're a Patriot player, you got no chance to really play here. You know, now Vitae's not an ex-Patriot player. I get that. But the reality of it is, is, is Vitae, he's going to have to prove he's a good player. I don't see it. Awful lot of money they invested in him. Speaking of something to prove, the heist, Jimmy Graham. This is a guy, listen, with the Saints, unbelievable. Seahawks for a few years, and then the Packers last year, 33 years old. 153 games he's played, 111 starts over 10 seasons, but he is not the guy he once was. But in 2019, this is how bad the Bears' tight ends were. They combined to produce 46 catches for 4 and 16 yards and two touchdowns. First time since 1970, they didn't have a tight end record at least 100 receiving yards in a season. Now, Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Ben Brownecker all placed in injured reserves, so I get it. But Jimmy Graham. Mike, this is reaching into the time capsule. This is back to the future. This ain't going to happen. This is desperation. What are you doing, son, and Jimmy Graham? I mean, look, I've already started a list. How is it possible that these guys keep getting money? I mean, it's just remarkable to me how, you know, Jimmy Graham keeps getting paid, that ha-ha Clinton Dix keeps getting paid, Chase Daniels keeps getting paid, right? Like, how is this possible? Like, how are people – I think, really, Jimmy Graham's the Sundance kid. You know, Harry Longball was the Sundance kid. He was the bank robber from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. I mean, that's really – Jimmy Graham's the Sundance kid. He's just bank robbing left and right, you know, and he's keeping away from the Pinkerton Detective Agency. He's on the run. I mean, but these guys really should be like – we should make like most wanted signs with these guys because they're just stealing money. I mean, they're how they're making money is a documentary waiting to happen. Like, who is watching tape on Jimmy Graham and saying, we got to pay him? Like who's watching tape on him and saying, we got to pay him. Who's watching tape on Chase Daniels and saying, wow, you know, he really would help us. Like who's watching tape on ha ha Clinton Dix thinking, you know, he's going to tackle in space and he's going to make our defense better. Now I get why Dallas signed him because they want to play cover three and all that. It still doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just, listen, I get it. Teams are throwing money around. They're desperate. They're taking a chance, but <laughs> I, I miraculous. If Jimmy Graham can turn back the clock coming up next here on the GM shuffle, we'll talk about other notable signings, franchise tags, Amari Cooper getting paid by the Cowboys, Randall Cobb with the Texans, uh, and also franchise tagging Derek Henry, AJ green, plenty more coming up after this. All right, now let's talk about some other notable signings, franchise tags, and roster moves. Austin Hooper with the Cleveland Browns. I listen, the Browns need a lot of help here, especially when it comes to their offense. You need leadership from Baker Mayfield. But what can Hooper bring to the table, Mike, at the tight end position? Well, look, I think this. If you go back and analyze Bill Walsh's first moves that he made when he became the head coach of the 49ers, the first thing he did was he drafted Earl Campbell running back from Rice, converted him to a tight end, traded for Russ Francis. You you really, if you're going to run this West Coast offense, you've got to have 
tight ends. You've got to have running backs and tight ends that can catch. You've got to control the middle of the field. As much as you think we should be in four receivers and doing all that crap, you've got to be able to to handle the middle of the field. So I think they paid a ton of money for Hooper. He's not the best tight end in football, but he got paid. He's going to help the tight end market, really. Hooper is the guy that's going to enhance everybody else's number, and it's going to bring them up forward. So, you know, it's interesting. You know, AD, maybe you can explain it because I'm not that smart, but they talk about this analytical stuff as being able to find these diamonds in the rough. And yet in Cleveland, they spend as much money as anybody, whether it's the right tackle, whether it's Hooper. I mean, like I thought the idea of being in analytics was to be able to find ways to get cheaper deals. That would be the idea. Yeah, you're trying to – it's like what they did in baseball, right? Billy Bean said, okay, I'm going to find guys that don't necessarily have the other talent that the guys have, but they can get on base. As he said famously, you know, slow, older, fat, white guys. They could just walk, get on base, hit a three-run home run and laugh. You're right. That should be the idea. I mean, that's my understanding of it. When it comes to the Browns, you're right. Analytics, it's almost like you have to have a plan, but I think it goes back to what you are saying earlier. It's tactics, not strategy. They don't have the right plan in place, right? Yeah, no, I mean, like, look, I think they're operating as if it's normal. Now, look, I think there is synergy in Cleveland's building, right? I think that that Stefanski wanted a fullback. They signed a fullback. I think it's important that they do some of those things. I think that's really healthy. But to me, the thing about free agency isn't overspending money. The first four or five days, everybody overspends money, right? Now, here's the hard part about free agency. The first wave is over. And most of these guys need physicals. Most of these guys need, they need to come in and work out and talk to people and then you get a good deal. And you can't do that right now. So that's going to slow this market down. You know, like just say Jameis Winston, right? He's looking for a gig, right? If I was in New England, I would say we should bring Jameis in. As much as I've made fun of Jameis on this program, to me, Warren Buffett would want to bring Jameis Winston in because you're going to get value. He threw for 5,000 yards, right? You're going to get value at a reduced number, right? You're going to take over a company that has earnings at a cheaper number. And you need to find out what you're getting into. You need to find out exactly what you're getting into. And I don't know the answer to that. That's why I bring it in. That's why this market to me is a little slower and it's going to be stalled. All right, how about Amari Cooper getting paid a ton of money with the Dallas Cowboys? You know, they franchise Dax. He's still got to work out a deal there. But Cooper, I mean, he's viewed as a number one receiver. Some say he's one of the best uh, receivers in football. He did have six weak games last year where he did not step up big time. Any concerns with the amount of money in re-signing Amari Cooper? You know, I mean, you knew this was going to happen, right? Jerry wasn't going to get talked out of it, right? They were going to spend whatever they spend. There was no one thing about players, which I think you have to understand is, is we heard this term with Brady a little bit. Oh, there's not a market for Brady. Well, look, let's be real clear. If you have one team involved, that's a market. And if you have the home team involved, that's a really strong market. In Brady's case, he had two teams. He had the Chargers and he had the Bucks. He might have had somebody else. I don't know. But he had two teams involved. That makes a deal. Right. When you have the home team involved, that makes a great deal because you're you're really competing against the unknown. And for Amari Cooper, Jerry was always going to be in it and the Redskins made their run. They couldn't get it. And I think that became something that Jerry was going to pay no matter what. You were never going to outbid Jerry's chips. He was throwing more in than you could throw in. Exactly. Once Jerry loves a guy, you're right. He can afford it. He'll take care of it. Randall Cobb with the Texans. So DeAndre Hopkins doesn't work out with him and Bill O'Brien. 
Uh, Michael Irvin throwing it out there that DeAndre Hopkins was upset that Bill O'Brien compared him to Aaron Hernandez, or he, or he brought up Aaron Hernandez when speaking to him and his baby mamas, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is this. Cobb is down in Houston. You go Kenny Stills. And the guy you mentioned earlier this week, Mike, that really has been critical of their success, if you look at wins and losses, that's Will Fuller. So if you say, now, Deshaun Watson's our guy, and you got Stills, Fuller, and Cobb, well, Bill O'Brien says, okay, I'll ride with that offense any time of the week, although it kills Kiki Kuti. It does, and I thought Cobb was done. I thought when Cobb signed with Dallas, I didn't think he had any juice left. He obviously was hurt last year. He played much better than I thought he would. And to me, this gives them a reliable slot. I think they got tired of Cote always being hurt, and I think they wanted somebody who could win inside. Now, can Cobb stay healthy? I don't know, but I think that's why. And Fuller, there's a lot of guys. The problem with the Texans is every time you add a sentence, you say, well, he's got to stay healthy. And when you're doing that, when you're building a team, when you've got a bunch of those you have to finish the sentence with, well, he's got to stay healthy, you got problems. All right, a couple more franchise tags here. A.J. Green with the Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, Bengals are obviously rebuilding. I don't know how hard it's going to be for A.J. Green to, to stomach playing. He's going to get to hang out with Joe Burrow a little bit. But what do you think of A.J. Green, the franchise tag with the Bengals? You're not leaving, A.J., even if you want to leave. Yeah, you would never leave it. I mean, Mike Brown's not going to let you go. I mean, he's too talented, and he would have. I mean, he would have made well over twenty million on the market. If Amari Cooper gets twenty, he would have got twenty-two. So you know, Mike Brown's protecting his asset now. Is he available for trade? I don't think so. You know, I don't think Mike would trade him. But that would be an interesting phone call to make. And Derek Henry franchise tag with the Titans. I mean, listen, they're a run-first team, Mike. There's no question about it. Seventh in red zone rushing attempts, ninth inside the ten. I mean, he scores a lot, and he's a definite top 10 running back. So, again, the Titans have made it clear. We believe in Ryan Tannehill. As you said, big money, although less money than Tannehill could have gotten. And then you franchise Derrick Henry. Your offense is good to go. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they were trapped a little bit. And I, I give Tannehill credit. I think he took less money, as we talked about, to make this deal. And I think it works out, you know, and they need him. I mean, look, they need this big – he makes their offense go. Be interested if they engage in a long-term deal. Because I think, you know, when you look at the Rams, and let's go back to the Rams as an example. I mean, you got to see you can't fall in love. And if you're going to fall in love with Henry or you're going to build your team around a running back, you're going to have to say to yourself this offseason, look – we maximized Henry as much as we could. We need another runner. We're going to need another back. And we're going to need to be a little bit more diversified as we move forward. You're going to have to kind of shift it as best you can. As you wrap up here on the GM Shuffle, we're going to have plenty more podcasts next week because, as Mike said, the money is flowing. These moves keep happening in the NFL talk right now. With nothing else happening in the sports world, we are here to entertain. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please do rate and review. And look at the nicknames Mike Lombardi has given us. MVP Mitch, the Clapper, and add one more now. Jimmy Graham is the Sundance Kid.